Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another update from Traverse City. Today is Wednesday, April 29th, 2020, and I'm joined by Beth Milligan of the Traverse City Ticker. Beth, what kind of updates do you have for us today? Hi, Taylor. Uh, well, a couple things. Um, first of all, we talked last week about the governor starting to open up some sections of the state. And today she announced that one big section that a lot of people have been waiting for and paying attention to um, residential and commercial construction is going to be allowed to resume as of May 7th. Uh, so there will be an executive order officially coming on Friday that outlines how that will work. Um, it sounds like what she's already indicated is that uh, construction sites will be allowed to reopen as long as they have either social distancing in place or if social distancing isn't possible, that there are some safety measures like um maybe plexi shields between workers on construction sites. But that's been a big one that a lot of people have been clamoring for. Um, she mentioned some other industries like uh, businesses that are focused outdoors, um, some potential industrial and manufacturing uh, sectors could come back and there could be future um, relaxations. She mentioned during a press conference today, they're looking at some of the uh, elective procedures for uh, dentist, uh, dental offices and hospitals, um, which has been a huge source of revenue for those um, organizations in the past that especially um, more critical and not cosmetic types of surgeries and procedures could be allowed to come back. So we're seeing some positive trends with the numbers in Michigan. We're seeing expanded testing. There's still a lot of fear about a second wave. Um, nationally, it's almost, experts are saying it's almost a given that we will see a second wave at some point, and that could result in temporary shutdowns again. But at least at this point in Michigan, it's moving in an encouraging direction and the state is working on trying to re-engage some parts of the economy. Excellent. Yeah, I had seen uh, some of the outlets stating that the second wave does seem to be something that's inevitable, and then it's just going to be a matter of if that's uh, because despite the measures that people are taking, um, if it was just inevitable to begin with, or if it is due to some of this fatigue from the, the shutdown and the quarantine, and if people are maybe pushing some of the boundaries that we shouldn't yet be pushing. Yeah, I think it's a really, really tough balancing act for our leaders, and I don't envy their position at all of having to try to balance um, saving people's lives and not you know, having a huge uh, second outbreak occur in their states or in their countries, but also recognizing that the longer things are shut down, the more people are facing serious financial hardship and, and the economy is continuing to tank. So it's a really tough balance. Um, I would say some things in a positive direction are, um, you know, the big thing that everyone is looking at is either, of course, the eventual uh, potential development of vaccine, um, also having antibody testing. We still don't know if, um, our, our antibody testing is so general at this point. We don't know if getting COVID-19 means you'll be immune for it again in the future. We don't know if you are immune, how long you'll be immune. We don't know if antibodies that are recognized in your system are from this specific coronavirus or if it means you had another coronavirus before, like the common cold. There's just so much uncertainty around antibody testing that if that gets better at 
some point and becomes more accurate and we understand more about how immunity works with COVID-19, that would be a positive uh, development that would help with reopening the economy. The other thing is just today, Taylor, the FDA um, announced that they could be sharing plans as soon as, as soon as later today about an emergency use authorization for a antiviral drug that's called remdesivir. Um, that drug is being tested in patients right now with COVID-19 and has shown some early promising results in reducing um, basically how hard the, the disease hits your body. So it's not showing 100% recovery rate, um, but it is showing about a 31% improvement in patients, which is, you know, shortening the time that they are struggling with symptoms from the disease and having a better recovery rate. So drugs like that, you know, of course, with every drug that the government has been talking about, we're always very cautious to let people know that these are still in the early testing phases. We don't know exactly how they work. We don't know exactly uh, the potential side effects that could happen. So it's always important not to take any drug report as a um, encouragement for you to go out and try to <laughs> obtain those drugs yourself or treat yourself. But we are seeing some promising results from these studies. This is, you know, the officially the FDA, it's not a private organization. So I think when we're looking at things that are being encouraging with testing, you know, certainly having an antiviral medication that could help treat patients would be a big development. It means that the the, the disease can be treated, that there are potential medications that could directly attack COVID-19. And so while it's still early, that is a promising development. Excellent. Yeah, a lot of these developments seem like we could be um, somewhat getting a grasp and a handle on multiple sides of what this uh, issue is in terms of the antibodies, but also some antiviral um, things that we could implement possibly in the future here. So that is really exciting news. Uh, is there anything else? Yeah, I think the last thing I wanted to touch on today is just some interesting developments that we're seeing happen with events and gatherings and culture. You know, we talk so much on the show about the health and medicine and social service side of things, because of course there's huge impacts there, but just from a cultural perspective, um, you know, we're seeing here in Northern Michigan where you and I are talking, I, I'm now seeing events being canceled into September. Um, so we're not just now talking about the next month or two, but people planning long term. And it seems like from most um, experts, most national sources that I'm looking at, that the idea of having any sort of major gatherings in 2020 is is seemingly more impossible, that it, it looks like 2021 will potentially be the earliest where we have big festivals and concerts and um, events again. So that's something for folks to keep in mind. Um, what we're also seeing, though, Taylor, and I know you've we've talked about this before, but we're seeing people pivot with those kind of events. Um, so some organizations that I'm I'm involved with or have covered um, up North Pride would be one. I'm on their board of directors. Uh, we're now looking at you know some virtual programming during Pride Month, just like many Pride organizations around the world are doing. I think the big one that I'm really interested in that could have really profound long-term effects for the industry is in film. Um, so, so there were some stories today that I thought were really interesting. Um, one is many of the, the big global film festivals are teaming up to do a virtual film festival in May. 
And that could have really long-term effects. I think some filmmakers were nervous early on about having uh, digital film uh, festivals because they didn't want their films to be, you know, broadcast for free on the internet. And that would kind of hurt their long-term distribution chances, you know, a company might not want to pay to distribute a film that's already been seen by a lot of people online. Um, but they're starting to embrace it because there's not really any, any other alternatives. Um, so what the future of film festivals will look like, I think is going to be an interesting question. The big one, Taylor, is is streaming films. And the Oscars have already announced um, this week that they used to before require that films had a theatrical release to qualify for an Academy Award. They are changing the rules this year to allow films that have only streamed to be eligible for the Oscars, which is a major change for the Oscars. Um, and there's also some fighting going on with movie studios and movie theaters. So companies like Universal, which had a, a big film, um, the Tr Trolls Worldwide Tour movie, that had been a big um planned theatrical release the pandemic hit and then they moved it to online and they had a huge success with selling it to families online and they announced that going forward they may simultaneously release their films in theaters and on demand and that has been something that theaters have been terrified about for a long time that you know releasing movies at the same time would decimate their theater business and several theaters uh, hit back and said that they would not carry Universal's films at all if they showed them on demand at the same time. So there's this battle going on in the industry. Um, I think theaters could be one of those organizations that take a long time to reopen. And the longer they're closed and the more people get used to watching movies at home instantly, um, there could be a shift in consumer behavior. And I think the... The, the movie theaters are really terrified about that right now. It's kind of an interesting time and it will be interesting to see what happens with them long term. Yeah, it is fascinating as we see companies and operations and festivals and different things like that pivot and offer some virtual things and then determine, watch them have to determine if that's going to be something that they continue even when you can start to gather in person again. And maybe that'll be a beneficial change or maybe it will be something that ends up hurting someone's bottom line. I think it's going to come down to us as the consumer as well. Yeah, and I think that will be true for the other big one that people are watching, which is restaurants and bars. Um, this summer is going to be a really pivotal exper experiment in terms of um, if restaurants can reopen. I mean, they're one of the most difficult places to reopen. They're often small. You have servers that are going from table to table, so that increases the transmission risk. You have people in very... Uh, close quarters and kitchens working next to each other, constantly bumping into each other. It's a really, really challenging business to um, socially distance. And so those so many restaurant owners, I mean, it's heartbreaking having talked to them. They're just, you know, they've spent some of them decades building up their business and are just seeing it being completely wiped out from underneath them. Um, and I know that our state, like many others, will probably try to find ways to help those businesses re-engage but it's so challenging from a physical perspective that how they're able to adapt this summer might involve completely changing their models. And that could be another industry like like movie theaters that becomes, you know, dramatically different going forward. Right. Beth, is there anything else for today? Uh, I think that's all I have for you today, Taylor. We know things are changing every day. So I'm sure when we talk again in a few days, we'll have a lot more. Yes, that seems to be the case. Thank you so much for joining me again. Sure. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.